0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Against the Grain podcast, where we discuss woodworking and the business of woodworking. This is episode number 15 for January 25th, 2007. Oh, for January 25th, 2018. My name is Justin De Palma, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Freddie Roman. Hello. And Guy Dunlap. How are you? Freddie, what's going on? How are you?
1: I'm doing well, thank you. No complaints. Another week has begun and uh, we're basically not being very productive today behind the bench because all I did today so far is go to about five different sites and like estimate jobs and then fill up the van three times to basically load up furniture that needs to be repaired and then run to my shop and unload and then run back to the next site. So it's been kind of hectic today. There's a lot of stuff and items everywhere. I quickly am filling up the space, and I thought that was impossible. But as we discussed in the past, it's not that hard to fill up space, I guess. But, yeah. you know, I have a yeah. full week of repairs mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff that needs to happen.
2: Well, doing that many estimates, that to me, that would be productive because, you know, you do X and on. what's. You know, you do X amount of estimates equals X amount of jobs. How many estimates do you have to do to get a, a project normally? You Five, know,
1: no, usually, uh, lately, it's been like every single time I do an estimate, I get the job. And um, I start questioning myself, am I charging enough? But really, I am charging yeah. a lot. Um, but, you know, in the past, the concern was with me is that if I was not working in the shop, Nothing was really getting done, and the workload just keeps piling on. Now it's a different story because I have someone in the shop working as I do estimates and bringing in more work. So I'm much happier, uh, and, and I'm much more successful because of that.
0: Yeah, and I think just like me, you're finding now that people are coming to you because they know what they're you, you can do. Mm-hmm. So it, it used to be the same way with me. For every ten jobs I bid, I might get one. Now it's for every ten jobs I bid, I might get seven, six or seven. So it's just people are expecting; they know what to expect when they come to you, and I think that's what's happening now.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's great that you are getting, you know, that that type of uh, clientele clientele that they're they're you are getting the the jobs from the estimates.
0: Yeah, good. What's going on with you, guy?
2: Um. Last week, I didn't get anything done in the shop. I went to the International Builder Show. Uh, I posted a thing that I was at IBS, and of course, I had all the usual jokes um, for irritable bowel syndrome. But it was <laughs> International Builder Show, and uh, I was there doing some video work with a production company, of not, totally non-woodworking related. Uh, it was kind of boring, but it was fun. Um,
0: Did you get to walk the floor at all?
2: No, I, I walked the floor for maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And there were some vendors there that I had done some uh, business with prior, you know, through sponsorships and things like that. So I just stopped by and said hello. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at a couple of things uh, that interested me, but, uh, you know, nothing really. We'll, we'll talk about that later. I've got I've got something I want to talk about. We'll we'll talk about that later though. I did get my um, buffet glued up, which was uh, a three day process because it's such a big piece and it's fairly I don't want to say flimsy, but it's not wasn't rock solid until everything got put together. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like an Erector set. Yeah. Yeah, and I wanted to be able to move the stuff around, so I used high glue which I would normally use anyways, but I needed to be able to move the pieces around after I was fitting them together and everything. Cause I needed the open time. And, uh, because of that, you know, I got, you know, put a piece together, let it sit, take it out of the clamps, do more, let it sit. So it was like, like I said, it was like a three day process just to glue it up. Um, I got all the the stuff installed inside, you know, like the the drawer slides and things like that, and got the shelves in. I got the the shelves veneered and and put in. So I'm pretty happy with that. I don't know if I'm going to start doing the doors or the drawers next. Doors. But that's... Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do next because I already have that. I already know how I'm going to do that. I don't know how I'm going to do the hinges yet, but I know how I'm going to do the doors.
1: Are you going to think about knife hinges possibly or no?
2: Knife hinges won't work. I got. To, I have to look at some offset knife hinges mm-hmm. to see if those will work. Um, I had a set of knife h- hinges here to test out, and they didn't work properly. Um so, I've got to get a a pair of offset knife hinges. That's just a matter there's a woodcraft and a rockler both are within you know ten minutes of me. so I've got to go get a set of those and mock up a model and see if they'll work nice
0: i uh when I did those curd vanities last year, I ended up using hardware from Lee Valley and they had stainless steel stuff, so nice in case you're not oh. using brass.
2: Well, my problem is, I don't know if we've discussed this before. I've got the, let's say the outside of the cabinet, there's a leg there. And I put the divider on the bottom an eighth inch in from that leg. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's curved going into the leg. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I'm putting the doors a sixteenth of an inch behind that divider. I don't want it to try to. I don't want to try it because I've done that before, where I've tried to line up a curved door to the to the frame, and it's very difficult to do to get it perfect. So I figured if I gave it like a sixteenth, maybe a strong sixteenth of an inch setback, if there's a you know a sixty-fourth of an inch or whatever it is inconsistency, it won't be as obvious. So now I've got this door sitting back, you know, three 16 16ths. Uh, almost a quarter of an inch behind that leg and it's got to swing out and it's curved on that edge. Does that about, make sense?
0: What about like a barrel hinge?
2: <clears throat> it won't swing it, it, it. To do that, I'd have to round off the corner. I've, I've got a set of, of those leaf hinges here and mm-hmm. I tried that. It just wouldn't work.
1: Uh, Guy, I have a question. Do you plan to be using cock beating on this at all? No. No, okay.
2: The door will actually have a frame on it. Okay. So, which is something I haven't done before on a curved door. I normally just, you know, veneer the bottom and the top of the door and and be done with it. Uh, But this time I'm going to be putting it in a frame because I think it's going to have a really cool look to it. Mm -hmm. But uh, I may end up, you know, butt hinges will work. But I'm going to have to bury the butt hinge inside the frame of the door and the leg so it'll almost be hidden Mm
0: -hmm.
2: so uh, that's that's another thing um but it's one of those things where i'm not gonna get wrapped around the wheels about it i'm I'm just gonna put it together and get it get it done and then i'll (laughs) i'll tackle that problem when it when it i have to deal with it but i know i know i'll be able to figure it out
0: So, so And I'm going to throw this out there. Why haven't you tried thinking about a European hinge?
2: I did try that, but because of the angle. um,
0: They make one for the angles.
2: For the curve front? Yeah. Because the cup is, the cup will, because I've got to cut that, the the, the door frame. Maybe I'll have to cut the door frame at an angle.
0: That's, yeah, Blum makes one for angled doors. So it would set you up for all that. And then they make a shim if you need really need to fine tune it but
2: yeah my my problem was is that the cup has to be drip you know have to has to get drilled into the back of the door mm-hmm. and it'll actually come through the front on the one side mm.
1: yes okay. does
2: yeah. that make sense
1: mm-hmm.
2: so that's that was my that's what I, that was what i was originally going to do was going to take inset 110 degree euro hinges yeah but it just it just won't work because of the cup depth. Mm-hmm. So you, there's nothing guy, worse than having your cup too deep.
1: <laughs> hey, guy, I have a question. You never buy the hardware first and design around the hardware.
2: Yes, I do, but not this time. Okay. Um, there's 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 so many. Sometimes you just you look at a design, you design something. And everything looks great, and everybody says, "Yeah, let's do it." And then you start building, and you're like, "Holy cow! What did I get myself into?" Yeah. This is one of those projects, and you know, everybody said you've you've heard that 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 phrase. You know, I work better under pressure. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. the most outrageous statement anybody can make. It's not true. <laughs> I How, agree. However, however, I feel that. I'm better at tackling problems when they're right in front of me and I have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of those things. I'm just going to go ahead and build until I get to that point where I have to address it and I'll address it. And I know I'll figure it out pretty quickly. Um, I, I, I'm very confident in it, but it's just, I'd, I've got too many other things to, to to worry about than something like that. I just want to build Get it done,
0: mm-hmm.
2: if that makes I sense. You. I do. It does. What about you, Justin?
0: What do you got going on? What do I have going on? The phone uh, man. Extored... Yeah, that's going on too. Um, I, I tentatively got a commitment to a third load. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just installed those entry mahogany entry doors I built and painted white. Um, I put them in, in last week. And then I had to go back today and finish up a little bit of trim work on them, which I didn't finish because I had to come home to talk to you guys. So I got like another hour, half hour there, and uh, which I'll handle Wednesday. And then I had a meeting over the weekend for a, a wine cabinet. Had one last mm-hmm. week for a bunch of little pieces of furniture in somebody's whole house. So, nice. Lots of lots of good stuff coming up. But
2: I saw the, the, the pictures of those those doors. They look awesome.
0: Thank you. Now they came out pretty nice. And the the and It's always good when you hear the customers say, because they've been waiting a little while, right? And it's always good when they say it was worth the wait. So they love them.
1: <laughs> you know, that conveyor belt system you made and showcased on Instagram was really nice.
0: <laughs> you like that?
2: I was I was joking with him before we started the recording. I said pretty soon he's going to have robots in there doing okay. everything for him.
0: I'd like to. My shoulders were hurting today. <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was uh there's no bearings in it that's the first thing i just used uh starboard king starboard you know what that is the cutting board material or yes right for my bearings because i figured how long is it going to run and then i had the belts they were from my uh, edge sander that i made i ordered the wrong sizes so i just taped two belts together nice and then there it is yeah
2: so what is that for? Just so you can take them and kick them off. The, it, so it, the pneumatic thing shoots it off the the bandsaw and then it hits that and then it goes into a bin? No. No. Uh,
0: the, okay. So I have the pneumatic ram and then I had mm-hmm. a little tray that had air shooting out of it that would shoot the pieces. Mm-hmm. But my helper, aka my brother, was complaining how he kept getting foam in his eyes every time he grabbed something because it would shoot basically every time he was grabbing something, right? So that was my other way around it. That, and I bought this new compressor, and it was a matter of the compressor could keep up because that just shot air out of two little eighth-inch holes. It, it, that moves a lot of air, actually. The mm-hmm. compressor just kept running. So so the plan was to go this other way and make just a little conveyor. So I had a free day on the weekend, and that's what I played around with. Nice. So, yeah.
2: You have a very interesting life, young man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess <laughs> too much. That's what happens when you wake up in the middle of the night thinking and you just pop up with an idea. It's like, I could make this. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's it. Nothing to it. All right. How about we, we talk about the Patreons guy.
2: Yeah. We had uh since the last time we talked, we had three new Patreons, uh, Luke Hattenberg, Robert Kempel and Cole Roberts. And then we had one of our patrons, Michael Hill, go from a $2 to $5 uh, patron. Uh, thank you so much, guys. And as always, we've got Reese Yance, Mel Harris, a.k.a. Llama, <laughs> Adam Gadet Michael Brindle, Tom Harvey, James Shadbolt, Sean Raymakers, Mike Holzhauer, Keith Johnson, Sean Walker, and John Ross. One of the goals we had at $150 was... When we hit that goal, we're going to do a patron-only episode once a month. So we're really close to that right now, which is awesome.
0: Thank you, everybody. Yes, thank yeah. you very much. Do we want to answer that email that we had? Somebody sent sure. us?
2: Sure. Yeah, we got an email from Matt Lynch. And the, the subject of it was woodworking Carson. And, and what he says is, you know, I am working towards building the skills to get more into fine woodworking and looking for courses to attend to build my skills. He lives in Kansas. He has a full-time job. So something like he says, NBSS, which I'm assuming is the North Bennett Street School, intensive course is not in the cards at the moment. He's looked at their two-week introduction to fine woodworking course, and he said that is a possibility. However, with travel, tuition, room, board, the ticket for that would be roughly $2,500 or so. Before I could commit to that expenditure, I want to get your opinions. Um, Are there any other courses that you would recommend for someone with the ability to take limited time off from the office? And uh, thanks in advance. So,
0: Just to throw this out there really quick, why not Mark Adams School? Because it's a pleasure.
2: Yeah, that's what I, I was going to say. You know, they they do a lot of weekend classes, single day classes, and just like one week classes. Um, hmm. I'm surprised I've never gone there. It's only like a half hour drive from my house. <laughs> yeah. Well, or you know, that would have to drive from Kansas, but it's it's still you know from Kansas. Depending on where he lives in Kansas, that's about a ten hour drive. So. Hmm. You know, you could take it and, and they, they've got a bunch of courses. They just sent me out a book that had all their uh, courses in it. And they've got all kinds of stuff. But I know the classes fill up really quick.
0: Well, I, I think it. first off, it comes down to what he's trying to learn. At what point is he in his venture, I guess you can call mm-hmm. it, right? If he if he has some general idea what he's doing with tools – I say just pick a project and start building it. Nothing mm-hmm. over your completely over your head. Something that you can actually accomplish in a couple weekends, and then just start building from there. And then at some point you'll, if you're ready, then you go take your classes. Which he may be at that point now, but it, and if he can't take a class, pick a harder project. That's it, and then just build your skills from there. I mean that's that's how I did it, and that's why I say it that way. But
2: yeah,
0: I know Freddie did it another way, and and Freddie, you can isn't there probably woodcrafts that would have classes or he's probably looking more intensive than that. sounds like,
1: well, since he lives in Kansas, there is the Kansas city woodworkers guild that offers a variety of different courses and brings in instructors who are well known uh, to teach there. And that's one option. Obviously Mark Adams, like you guys said, is another great option. The concern I have with <clears throat> taking courses from schools is I want An instructor that actually has real life experience, that they're not a recent grad, that they actually know what they're doing, and it can be very educational beyond the subject matter that they're talking for the week or the day. So I believe a good instructor is is very important. And unfortunately, and this is hard sometimes to believe, because a maker is a great maker, it does not mean he's a great instructor. And I think – I think they need to really decide what options or what classes they find interesting, and then really start inquiring. Like, even send us an email, like, "Hey, I'm thinking about going to take this this course with Steve Latta. Would you recommend him?" And I would be like, "Hell yeah, I recommend him." Or, mm-hmm. you know, if someone else, you know, comes up and it's like, "Well, I don't really know, but it sounds pretty good. He's done it several years in a row. He's very talented." You know, so have a good, good back and forth with individuals who possibly have attended the course or, or ask people in, in forums, hey, I'm thinking of taking X, Y, Z. Would you recommend it? How Does anyone have experiences? And I think that really helps a lot because in my experience, there's been several classes that I wish I could get my money back. I was very disappointed. And it's either I was too talented at the time to take the course or really the instruction wasn't as good as it should have been.
2: Yeah.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So yeah,
1: I, I, go ahead, I'm sorry. I,
0: it would it would help if we knew at what level he was at with his woodworking. I think. I it all depends on what he's looking for. It really does. I mean he just says an intensive class, but is it because you're trying to learn veneering? Is it trying because you're trying to learn how to use hand tools? Is it
1: well I think one you know I mean? that's
0: that's the other option. I mean
1: since he mentioned a fine woodworking course, I'm assuming that the final working course is a kind of a both hand and power tools. So he basically learns some joinery with doing it by hand and he ne- learns joinery to do it by machine. So you get the balance of both worlds.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a tough question to give a definitive answer to, I think. And it, it really depends on exactly what he's looking for and uh, you know, what his current skill level is. And we don't have that information. I mm-hmm. uh, wish we did, but um, Still a good question. I, I, we actually discussed this, and I think what uh, our, our second or third episode. We and talked education.
0: about yeah.
2: Uh, education. Yeah. Education. Yeah. So go back and listen to that, Matt. That's got all the information you need.
0: And, and, and feel free to <laughs> shoot. Yeah, feel free to shoot us another question with more in depth about your question. Um, yeah, that, that would help us. But.
1: Um. Can, lastly, I would like to say one last thing. Honestly, I don't think it's worth the travel to the East Coast. I just think you have plenty of opportunity locally to find something.
0: For a two-week class.
1: Yes, or even a weekend or whatever. Right, right,
0: right. Now, for a two-year program, is it worth it?
1: Is it worth a two-year program? You know, I went back and forth on this. Years ago, I would have said yes, but the programs have gotten so expensive that I, today, even though I love the two-year
0: experience— I would say it's not worth it. Wow. I know. It's kind of. It, it Well, is that because because you're not using uh, your education as to what it was probably the, the traditional, tra- yeah, that you learned? The, am, I using the tra-
1: yeah, am I using the training and tradition that I was handed down to? Me? Yes, every day, 100%. And okay. the reason why I'm able to do everything as quickly is because I struggled for so long for two years plus at the school. But I have to weigh in two years, twenty thousand plus dollars a year, just to get good bench skills, and I'm only limited to how many pieces I can make. You know, one school, say the furniture institute, it's not really structured. They're, it's somewhat structured, but nowhere near as structured as North Bennett. Some people like being able to build whatever they want. Some people want the structure. In the end, you have to be open-minded to realize that not many people are going to buy furniture. So, are you going to be building cabinetry? Or are you going to be doing repair work? Can you just go ahead and find a local shop that can teach you all that and then take courses that will give you more advanced skills to learn exactly what you desire to learn?
0: That's a good point. That's a very good point. So give us some more information, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You guys want to jump on our subject for this week? Sure. Which is our dream shops.
2: That's uh, easy for me. Anything that you can't put a, a wet, snowy car in.
0: <laughs> so, is it getting smaller or bigger, or does well, that just mean you don't have a garage door to let people in?
2: Well, I think the the first thing you have to look at when you're you know talking about a dream shop, and I think we all have something like that in mind, is the the actual size of it. And I don't know if I want myself talk about square footage, but I would never want. The work area, because there's like rooms that I I want to have that are separate from where I'm actually doing the work, the woodworking in. Mm. But I don't think the work area where I've got the machines and let's say a bench, I'd want anything bigger than the size of about a three car garage, which is 24 by 36, mainly because I don't want to be walking around all over the place. I see some of these guys with shops and you'd, you'd be walking three miles a day to go from one machine to the next. I don't know. How, how do you feel about that?
0: I I look at it differently. Um, it, in my ideal shop, it would have the bench area and the machinery all in the same room. Right. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't need separate rooms for that reason. you're walking so far back and forth, I feel like I don't need to run over here, get this and I walk through a door to get something else. Right. Mm-hmm. But I would want my space to be, well, my dream size would be 50 by 30 for just that area where the machine room is and the the workbenches. And I want a lot of space, not for the machines or anything, so I can work on multiple projects and just have them sit in an area. It's not like I'm going to be walking the whole area. It's just I can have something in one spot and something else in another spot Yeah, yeah. with a couple of benches. That's how I I look at it.
2: I agree with that 100%, and that's what I was saying. I'm saying just the work area itself, not – Storage for extra products, projects, I'm not talking about that either. staging no, I'm not. area. I'm just no, I'm talking not. about like the size where I'm actually physically working.
0: That's what I'm talking about. Thirty day. by
2: fifty is pretty big, man. It's fifteen hundred it square feet. it's that's, yeah. that's a big footprint.
0: I know. The building's even bigger. <laughs>
2: well, the building would be bigger. Yeah. for me too. But, yeah. No.
0: Uh, no, I. It, it, and it comes down to what I'm working with now, and I think that much more space would help me.
2: Yeah, you do build. a lot of built-ins and stuff.
0: Yeah, and it, yeah, and then you're tripping over things, and that's the idea is that I can set something there, work on it in one spot, and then still work on something else in another spot, and not trip over it. And mm-hmm. it, it's it's more bench area, I guess you could say, or yeah. setup area. Yeah, my, my actual machining area and all that really isn't going to change much from what I have now.
2: Which, which
0: is? It, like I said, it's a combination of... There's a bench and machine all in the same area, which is 19 by 35, and then I got a little additional spot that I opened up last year, which was, f- I think, 14 by 15. Oh. So whatever that comes out to be square foot-wise, but... It, 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 I just need more room. The machine area is fine. It's the area where I work on the, the actual projects is too small for me. Yeah.
2: That's that's so. the problem I run into. You know, some of these bigger projects just it just takes over the shop.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
2: don't have any room to walk around.
0: Right. right. So, what
2: about, what about you? About you?
1: Um, for me, I was thinking that really hard. What would I like? And I I feel like I want two levels. I like to have a upstairs and a lower. You know, bottom.
0: absolutely.
1: and for the downstairs, I think I would like a 30 by 60, you know, and the reason being is that I like to have a machine room and then I like to have a bench room and I like to have a upholstery section and a finishing room and then a gilding room. So there are certain areas that I like to have certain things in because then I can control the mess and the flow and the dust going into every single room. Obviously I'm more specialized. So that gives me the reason for being so specific in having my rooms being broken down in a certain way. In a sense, I'm not like you guys.
2: These would be physical rooms, not just areas, but a physical room with walls and a door. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So, you're talking about the whole s- footprint of your shop would be 30 by 60.
1: The whole first floor is 30 by 60. And then the second right. floor would be 30 by 60.
0: Yeah, mine would, I would, I can't remember what I said. Mine would be uh oh, 50 by 50 is what mine was going to be. Yeah. Right. The whole footprint.
2: Yeah, so I, I really don't know what the square, I know the area that I would want to be working in would be around yeah. 24 by 36. Other rooms I would definitely, and I would, I would, and over that area, I would want the open to the, open to the roof. I would not want a ceiling. Yep. And the other part of the building, I would definitely have different rooms, but with the second floor with steps Mm. going up into it. And I would want a showroom in the front and not a big showroom. And it could be something as simple as just a pictures on the wall, just something that shows my work as people come in, that's clean and not covered with, crap. Um, a definite finishing room so I can spray and not have Mm -hmm. to worry about anything. Um, upstairs, I'd want a place for an office, Mm -hmm. um, a place to do photography. And one of the things I'd want to put in there too is a lift that goes from, you know, a hole in the floor with a hoist so I can get Mm -hmm. projects from down there. To up there, so I could get decent pictures of it if I needed to, um, and anything else I wanted to put up there storage wise.
0: I had a friend that had a his spray booth on the second floor, and it was basically the same thing. It was a hoist platform, and that's how you bring everything up and hmm. down. There, it, it was absolute pain for him, but that's what he had to do for the amount of space that he had. But yeah, yeah. it works. It is what it is, but it worked really well. So
2: yeah. You
1: know, I I think I, I maybe my shop is a little different. I, for some odd reason, I want like a small kitchen in it, like kitchenette and a shower and like a, a couch. And it's just so that it's very welcoming and, and it's very inviting for people to come out and hang out or, or dive into thinking of new concepts and ideas and designs and just feel very homey, I guess you can say. That's just like you can feel like you're almost going to live out of there if you wanted to. at the same time it's it's your ideal dream situation
0: yeah i yeah i think i i think guy is thinking along the lines of of me that this this shop is right by your house Mm -hmm. yeah so so like i don't know that i need that part i definitely want a bathroom Mm because yeah it's only <laughs> eighty it's, feet it's, away, but it's just yeah. eighty feet away right now, right? Yeah, or whatever it is, 100. yeah. But uh, otherwise, yeah, it's it's got an office and storage area on the second floor, just like you're talking about, guy. And just like you're talking about my actual workshop area, there is no ceiling. That's the cathedral part of it, just to get the the ceiling height out of it for me. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I would, uh, but like Freddie, I would want a bathroom with a shower a nice bathroom, not uh-huh. one that's, you know, all, that's got a slop sink in it or anything like that, but something that looks nice and decent and a small kitchen area, probably close to the, where the, the showroom is. Uh-huh. Um, I had a similar setup like that in my old shop. I didn't have the bathroom. And, and as far as it would have, it would be completely self-sufficient as far as mechanicals go. It's its own heating system, air conditioning, plumbing, all that. Yeah. Um an amp service. Um would you guys want three phase available in the shop?
1: I would. Or yeah. a face, or it, a face converter.
2: Yeah.
0: It, yeah, I if would. it's available, I'll do the I'll do the three phase. If it isn't, then yeah, I'll just run a three phase converter.
2: What um, about what about heat? Would you do forced hot air or
0: that's where I'm different? Okay. So the shop I'm gonna build eventually here, uh, like I said, my shop's gonna be fifty by fifty. There's gonna be a storage and a spray booth on one side, which is the so if you take twenty feet off of that fifty, so it'd be twenty by fifty, that'll be part storage, part part um, spray booth. That will have a concrete floor with in floor heat in it. Yes. Right. The actual shop area, the plan is that I want to do a crawl space. That way I can do in-floor heat and that on a wood floor. Mm. Have access underneath the floor to put some dust collection, electrical, mm-hmm. all that stuff underneath. And then I still want to put a fireplace in there because I just burn in scraps. That's yeah. It.
2: Yeah. I, I I thought about that too. And, and as far as the floor itself goes, I would not want. To be standing on a cement floor, it would yeah, be I'm doing it, it would be wood, and and for heating, I'd be using radiant heat. Above, above, yeah, absolutely. And I have no problem with with doing drops for you know. And I thought about that too, as far as dust collection goes, and putting it in the flooring and everything. The only problem with that is if you ever change the uh, where the machines go in your shop.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm it not. Could be, it could on. be a little.
2: It could be a little bit more difficult. But, but the way I would set it up is, you know, I would have just a main trunk, and then I just have a couple pieces coming off of it because I really don't need to have 15 drops for dust collection. There'd be like four or five, and that's it. And I could get most of it along one wall, uh, with the exception of the table saw, and I would I just use a drop for that.
0: For me, I think the only thing that would probably go under the floor for sure is the, the table saw and maybe the joiner. Everything else would probably still come above. Yeah. The, the stuff that's going to stay stationary that I know it's going to stay there, up I might go below, but majority is still going to go above. And, and the other thing I will do again, which I have now, is the dust collector is mounted outside. So there's no filter on it. It just it goes into a bin and the rest of it exhausts outside.
2: Yeah, the only problem I always wondered about that. How much does that heating and air conditioning do you lose in the building because of that?
0: I don't have any air conditioning, so I can't tell you that. But <laughs> heating, I, it, it's not like it's running. Yeah, good point. Fifteen twenty minutes. So it it's. It, I mean, I turn it on and I shut it off. So it's not like it's running forever. That's. I don't think it affects it that much. Yeah, that, so, the fact that my shop's not insulated anyway? So, uh, it leaks like a sieve as it is. So.
2: Mm. Yeah, as far as like dust collection goes, we, we talked about that a little bit in three phase. I definitely would want a, a three phase dust collector, and I would want to have I want to have it in a separate place where I couldn't hear it because yep. they're, That's they're noisy mine is as hell. Um, and I okay. would just, you know, they're designed for continuous run, mm-hmm. so yeah, I would, I, just, thought... I would just turn it on and leave it on.
0: Now that yeah, no matter what you do, then it's going to suck all your air out, but. Yeah. I I don't like it running, so I don't leave it running. And as simple as me just shutting the table saw off and then walking over to cut something on the chop saw, I'll shut it off. And it's just I turn it on when I use it, otherwise it's shut off. I don't know. That that bothers me to leave things just running for no reason. And I don't know why. It's just one of those little pet peeves I have.
2: In my my shop now, I have those IVAC switches. Mm Mm-hmm. So every time I turn a machine on, I've got for 110 and then I've got, you know, the, the 220s also, um, right. I turn a machine on and my dust collector comes on, which is very convenient. Um, I suppose you could do something like that. But I would definitely. Yeah, I,
0: I, I have remotes for everything. So no matter what machine I'm at, there's a remote there and <laughs> I just turn the remote on or off and that's how I do it. And it it works fine for me and I have a clear view unit, which is more than enough for my whole shop. So
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now how how big is your your pipes? What
0: do uh, you think? My main trunk is eight inch and everything else is six inch down to the machines, which is I when I originally had the clear view, I guess it was when I did my uh when I took the wall down last year in my shop to expand it, that was when I went to do That's when I went to all the six-inch piping. Mm -hmm. Um, Before that, I just had the eight-inch run, then everything was four-inch off of that, and I was able to just have every single blast gate open, and it pulled it just fine. Now, with the six-inch on there, I can only have two gates open. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that became a pain to me because I've gone so long without having to ever open or close a gate, but now I have to open and close gates, but that's neither here nor there. It's always—the table saw just always stays open, and the other ones are the ones I open and close. So.
1: Yeah. Do we, would you use metal or would you use a PVC piping?
0: Metal. It's, I don't know. I I don't know about you. I can't find PVC six mm-hmm. inch. Um, and really? for what it, what it costs for me to do the, the spiral metal, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't okay. that expensive. From what yeah. I understand, especially for six inch PVC, that's not cheap either. So.
2: no, well, yeah. Not- you can, you can get the, the DWV or the, the drain waste vent PVC, which is a foam core instead of solid core PVC. And yeah. it's a lot less expensive, oh, okay. but it, it, I'm, I'm not sure of the sizes. though. Well. I don't know if it's available. I know it's, there's you know four inch. Absolutely. I think it's six inch also, but I don't think you can get eight inch. I may okay. be mistaken on that. You'd have to ask a, a plumber, which I am not. Well, yeah. to be honest
0: with you, the, the spiral, I don't think the pipe's expensive. It's the, all the turns and everything. Which yeah, yeah. i I have some turns and then other stuff I just bought regular six inch duck work and use that so or I would put two two, two 90s or f- whatever you call them, the flexible elbow thingies mm-hmm. ones where you can self make them I just put two of them together so it wasn't such a hard 90 degree angle yeah
1: no because the, the, the problem that many people don't realize is the more hose flexible hose you use the worse the dust collection can be
2: Right. Yeah, my coordination cause causes friction.
0: Right. All of my yeah. stuff is as close as I can get it to the machine. And then there's a short section of flex hose on there. Yeah. A six inch flex. And that was the other thing I did as well over last year was convert all my stuff that was four inch to six inch. And it made a huge difference.
2: You mean at the machine?
0: Yep. I, okay. I opened all the ports up on all the machines. All
2: right. So as far as electrical goes, I mean, would it all be since you're gonna be doing a, a wood a, a cement floor? So you'd not be wood, so doing the electrical on the floor would be really easy to do. Yeah. Cause yeah. I can just drop yes. the, the the stuff in there and if I decide to move one of the, the floor outlets, I can just move it. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, and I would also do like my shop now has there's two twenty outlets every I don't know, 10 feet or so. And then there's also 110 outlets right next to it. So it's, I have plenty of outlets in my shop now and I would do the exact same thing. Just put more than you need. Just, it's there. That way you don't have to think about it.
1: I would do it, for me, I would do every four feet. I would have 110 every four feet, four four box junction. And then at every six feet, I have a 220, like ready to go always, just in case.
0: Yeah, I think- actually yeah what i think 110 is what every six or eight feet you're by law supposed to have it now so Mm -hmm.
2: yeah at every 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 place you know that that, that's six feet or so i would have a 110 and a 220. Mm -hmm. yeah, just right Right. next to each other um how many how many circuits would you have i mean for me right now i don't think i'd ever hire an employee even if i did i don't think we'd be running two machines at once so and you know, I'll probably maybe like two 220 circuits would mm. be enough.
0: No, I have way more than that now. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Always. and it, 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 more along the lines of like my 220 is set up and it's – I did it all. So uh, there might be f- a wall on that 220. If there's a machine there, it gets its own dedicated 220. So yeah, no, exactly. Like, when shape, shaper has – and the table saw has its own breaker. And then if there's a wall – of just two twenty outlets, where I have I don't know, let's say there's three on that wall, that's its own circuit as well, mm-hmm. so that you can plug anything in there and never affect your what you're running or whatever's. You're not popping breakers.
2: Yeah, I'm I But how often you're going to be running, you know, that many machines at once?
0: Hopefully I, a lot. I, because yeah, you know. yeah. I run the table saw or or the joiner at the same time or or the the the, the The planer's running at the same time as the table Mm -hmm. saw. If I just got to run something, I'll just turn them on. It's just the idea that I can do that. There's
1: been plenty of times that I have um, the joiner, planer, and table saw on at the same time.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I've had my planer pop my breaker before. Really? And that's running on a 20 amp, 30 amp. That's on a 30 amp breaker. Yeah. Yeah, 30. The five horsepower drew that many amps when it was under a major load.
2: Yeah. And when I it think oh, and, up, it draws a lot.
0: No, actually, since I put that cutter head in there, the the bird cutter head, just cutting the full 20 yeah, inches of it. Excuse the 20 yeah. inches of it. So. Yeah.
1: To go ahead, also, you know, to spin a bird head, it takes a lot more effort and yep. work yeah. on those breakers. Yeah. But, you know, I think, like Justin said, having every machine on its own circuit is really good. And especially if, you know, the goal is to have several employees. I want no hindrance with power.
0: Yeah, and when sure something happens, happens, yeah, when something happens, it you know what machine did it. That's the other yeah, thing. exactly. All
2: right, all right, I concede.
0: Well, the the other thing is, you're, <laughs> I mean, you're putting a you're putting a two hundred amp panel in there. What are you gonna have? Four breakers and a two hundred amp panel, when you have <laughs> yeah. thirty spots in that thing, right? So use them. <laughs>
2: so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree. All right, I'll 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 change my opinion on that.
0: <laughs> what What would you guys do for lighting? Well, I I want natural lighting
1: in the finishing room mm-hmm. 100% because I want to be able to even though I almost want something that I can change a little bit because I like to have it vary between, depending on what the client has at home. So I may have natural LED lighting or I may have some soft white. I almost want to put a fixture for every single light option in the finishing <laughs> room so that I can be like, what do you have? In your office, okay, and then I can just flip the switch, and that's what I'm saying.
2: Yeah. <coughs> uh, Go ahead, Guy. I was just going to say, you know, for me, it's because I, the, the, I shoot the video stuff. I like to have 6,500K lighting in my shop, mm-hmm. which is daylight, and mm-hmm. the LED stuff for that is, like, ungodly expensive. Most of it's 5,500K. I know there's a lot of guys that like the 5,500. Myself, I like the 65. Man, because I don't have, you know, 50 shop, I don't have 50 lights in my shop either. So I, I, I guess for lighting, what I would really do is there's, you know, and I'm not an expert on it. I'm not an expert on anything. Um, but they, ha- if I'm going to spend all this money and get my dream shop built, I'm going to hire one of those guys that does lighting. And said, you know, this is what I'm going to do here. This is what I'm going to do here. This is what I'm going to do here. And have them do it. And, they're, you know, that's a very common thing to do. But yes. uh, I would probably have fluorescent lighting more than mm-hmm. likely. Hmm. Um, uh, mainly because of the 6500K. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right.
2: But if they have it available in LED and it's my dream shop and money, no expense, well, then I'd go the LED. As long as I can get that 6,500K.
0: The only downfall, because I converted 90% of my shop is now LED. There's a section that isn't. And that is because they were just newer fluorescents when I did it a couple years ago. So I wasn't replacing them. But everything else went to LED. My only complaint with the LED is it casts a shadow, sometimes a prisms. But I I also have clear lenses. I don't know if it would be different if I had the frosted lens on mine. Mm -hmm. But you can see that especially in like my white painted surfaces, you'll get a green shadow or sometime. Mm-hmm. Yes. Otherwise, I absolutely love this stuff. It's amazing how much brighter it is and, and nicer it looks. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 in my spray booth, though, just like Freddie said, I do have... Basically, I have a garage door with windows in my spray booth, and then I have mm-hmm. LED lights in there as well. Same thing. I, I occasionally get a, a weird shadow from the LED lights, but otherwise, they're amazing... And then I'll use natural light, just like Freddie said, to cast a sh- uh, raking light for myself.
2: Yeah, as much natural light as possible. I'd, I'd, I'd want to have some windows in there. And, it, you know, if I have the, the it open to the to the roof, I'd maybe put in a skylight or two also to Ruff, get that, that yeah. light down.
1: So. Um, you know, I'm not sure about you guys, but sometimes what I have an issue with is LED lights are really bright. And, um, maybe I'm just a little sensitive to light. I wish I can like dim it down at times, like to control how
0: it, how bright it can be. Uh, when I'm finishing, yes. Which is Mm -hmm. why you probably have an issue with them. Yes. Uh, Otherwise they're, for me, they're perfectly, they're perfect. And I think mine are 55. Yeah. 55.
2: I I had, I had two led lights in my shop and one of them was above my, um, assembly table. And I actually got rid of it and ended up putting a fluorescent bulb over the top of it because I didn't like it was, it was, how do I explain it? It was too, the light was too concentrated in that one area and mm-hmm. didn't wash over the rest of the, the area. Yeah. So I, you know, I bought a, um, a decent shop light because, you know, it's, it's in a garage and it's, you know, in my current situation, I've got a, the, uh, the ballast have to be rated. to to pretty cold when you open up the garage door in the winter otherwise your ballasts are going to go but my dream shop i wouldn't have to worry about that
0: yeah no (laughs) well that that brings it uh would you have an overhead door in your shop
2: absolutely
0: yeah me too
2: absolutely i'd want a loading dock i'd want a pit built with a loading dock.
0: <laughs> so you're going to have a swimming pool too.
2: <laughs> no, no, just a, a pit built so a truck can back up so I can get lumber off of it and, uh, you know, and get deliveries that way. Because right now I got to, you know, when I get a delivery of lumber, I got to take it off board by board.
1: I Ideally, I would like to have a, uh, the garage door open so that I can load and unload. But I also like to have it with a, uh Car lift, so I can work on the the business vehicles
2: that's what they have mechanics for.
1: I like to be a mechanic too.
2: I don't want to be a mechanic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm with you, Freddie yeah um uh, uh, oh. i I'll tell you one of the other things I would definitely do is well, me being me. I'm definitely building the shop doors, the entry doors, the man doors, and I'm gonna do a pair of double doors. Right yeah. now I have a, a, I think there's a 42 inch door on my, my shop mm-hmm. and that's nice, but it could be a little bit wider. And I think yeah, something totally. like 54, 54, 60 inches would be perfect.
2: Yes. So. Carries, carry stuff in and out. And that's, that's yeah. what I was talking about too, about a, a, a loading dock or mm-hmm. a, a box truck can back up to it and it'd be at the same level. Yeah. As, as the floor, and you can just walk stuff right in. Yeah.
1: I uh, I would have an industrial forklift, so.
2: I think, for me, I think I, I would, a pallet jack would be fine. I don't know if I mm. need a forklift. One thing that I've I've seen that I would definitely want in the shop, which I just don't have room for right now, and more than one, but an adjustable height assembly table. Yes. Uh, that rolls totally. around. So that locks. Yep. And I can put stuff on it because like right now, I mean, I got to work on stuff and sometimes it's, I'm reaching over my head to put stuff in on it. Um, but being able to, to adjust that and then move it from, you know, one place. So I'm doing it over here and then I can take it over here and that goes back to the walking. So, you know, you're, you're fitting pieces in a, in a cabinet or something. It'd be real nice to just move it over there and say, okay, now I can do my relative dimensioning and create the part, yeah. fit it right there without having to, to walk 10 feet or 15 feet or whatever. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But that was that's something I would definitely want to have is, is a couple, three of those. And those can be really expensive. Um, but that would be really nice.
0: Did you, uh, that that YouTuber from, I don't know where he's from, Japan? I can't even remember what the name of his, his channel is now but he has i think his is like a motorcycle lift basically scissor lift type deal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly and those are great rubber top yeah which is like a smaller version Yeah, totally yeah. adjustable
2: yeah there was a guy on youtube that's from somewhere I, he might be in germany but he might be a little bit north of that um timothy wilmot's he built this thing called the multi-function cart and it's pretty yeah. cool. Um, you need to check that out. But it, it's 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 pretty nice. And uh, it's anyways it's it's a, it's kind of the same thing where it's a scissor lift kind of thing. And but uh, yeah, it, it would just be really nice to have the room to roll something like that around and have your different projects on it. Actually, right now, am I I'm thinking of putting my my buffet and just taking a piece of MDF. Or a piece of plywood and putting some wheels on it, so I can put that thing on it and move it around. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's just always in my way, and I've always got to pick it up and move it.
1: That's how I want all my pieces in the shop for repair. I want all the bases from besides the workbench. I want everything on casters, so when I'm it's clamping, I can just move it over to the next one and just grab the next cart and move it over, move it over. Yeah, it's much more efficient. A,
2: a big clamp rack, yes, that you can move around different stations Mm -hmm. without having to go, oh, I got to carry this over here and do that. You know, and it really goes back to uh, a lot of it has to do with efficiency and some of the stuff we're talking about right now, saving time. I mean, it doesn't sound like it adds up a lot, having a a clamp rack 15 feet away from where you're working. But as you know, when you've got to get, you know, like 10, 15, sometimes 20 clamps, that can add up to a lot of walking. Yes. You, You don't think it does. But it does, and it takes a lot of extra time. So, anything you can do to get the furniture piece or whatever you're working on closer to the tools you need is good. And that's why I think like a like a like an adjustable height cart where you can put start build the project on it and keep it on it, and just move yeah. it around where you need to. And of it's course, like edge- go ahead, Freddie.
1: I was gonna say it's like the adjuster bench.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not
0: sure I do a clamp rack in the sense of making it mobile because, and maybe this is the difference part of a bigger shop, but yeah, I mine's kind of centrally located and it doesn't bother me. It's close to my assembly bench, so.
2: Yeah. So's right mine good. right now, but I mean, my my shop's only. 24 by 24 <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. it's right there yeah so which i
0: i think that's another that's a good point i never really thought about it because yeah it is right there for me as well a yeah, couple steps away,
1: yeah. But. i want my clamp rack to be rolling wherever i need it and i want it to be double-sided and you know even if with a, with a big shop i would like to have everything almost look like i have a small shop that everything's within reach that i don't have to step too far away to grab anything i need
2: mm-hmm. yep Uh, And, and, and even though, you know, it would be a permanent installation in most cases, I'd still want everything to be mobile. So even if I'm putting stuff on wheels, the stuff would probably go on pallets. Yes. So I can just get a pallet jack and move it around if I have to. Now I'm six two. So adding an extra couple inches to most machines for me is good. Um, now I look at some band saws and I've looked at a bunch of them before I, I bought my the the one I had before I have now. And some of those things are so damn low, it's like I'd be bending over. Um, you know, I've got my, my table saw on casters right now and adds like, I think two inches to the height, um, which for me is perfect. That extra couple inches makes a big difference. So um, like I said, I'd still want to be able to have everything mobile. May, there's some machines that I would want to bolt to the floor, like you know, drill press. Um, probably a bandsaw too. I'd want to bolt to the floor because it's such a small footprint. But anyways, what what about location? I mean, right now, Justin and I, you know, I'm I'm in an attached, and you're in a detached building. Um, would you want it on your property, or would you want it away from your property?
0: I want it. I want it on my property definitely one another yeah Home i'd have
2: shopping. to I'd have, I'd have to move to do that
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm but looking I, to move to do that
2: <laughs> so, really yeah see I, if if i had the room here i'd want a separate building but if you know i have to be realistic about what i have right now i don't i don't see myself moving
1: right so
2: i'd want probably about a half acre of property so i've got a little bit room for expansion you know so if you need to you can add to it pretty easy, which I think is important. I mean, you have to plan for expansion down the road too. So you need the room to do it.
1: You know, I want mine not on the property. I thought I did it for a while, but the busier I get the and the more opportunities I want to offer potentially classes in the future or, or have like uh, meetups, I like to have it off site, but really close and relatively close to where there's a lot of foot traffic, or driving traffic, so that I'm always staying busy and and it's always piquing people' interest that it's on the main drag and says you know furniture repair. So right, mm-hmm.
2: yeah,
0: yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. But for yeah. me and the way my business is, it it works best for me this way. I feel like yeah, totally. And, and yeah, there's no there's no rent this way. It's just it is what it is. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like to buy the building, you know, I don't want to pay rent forever. That's my next big thing is figuring out, can I buy the building I'm in now, which sounds crazy, uh, or can I buy something close by to this because there's so much great traffic around here.
2: Mm -hmm. That's that's a really good point. I never really thought of that as far as the, the foot traffic and location for, you know, drawing people into almost a retail space
0: yeah totally which if if you have a storefront then you need that but if you don't have a storefront i think if you're operating like i am there's no need for it and i used to think that i wanted a show for me
1: i think i would have a storefront because i can there's so much furniture i can go ahead and pick up and repair and then put in a storefront for sale
0: right yeah like i said i i used to but i don't I don't sell furniture spec pieces or anything. So there's no reason for me to have a storefront. And I yeah. occasionally I get people that come over and they want to see things and it's, well, everything I have is not here. So there's nothing to show you. And I have yeah. samples of stuff, but.
2: And that's what I said before a showroom, not necessarily with pieces in it, but but like pictures. I, I don't know if I'd call it a showroom. I'd call it more of a conference room somewhere. Mm-hmm. I can sit down with the customer you know, go through a portfolio, give them a cup of coffee. If they want to see the shop, they can. Um, mm-hmm. but I just I, a, just a, a, an area to, to confer with people. That's nice, and it's not in the shop.
0: Yeah, I, I find a lot of my customers actually like coming into the shop and seeing the area, and then I go grab things for them. And I mean, I get yeah, a good still. vibe from that. So. I, yes, it would be nice to have that professional area to have somebody sit down at a conference table and everything, and then everything just appears. But I think part of what is my mojo is, the, is that right? But it is me, <laughs> me, me selling the product that I'm selling allows you to see the, where it actually came from. Like it's sitting over there covered with dust type thing. Right. And I blow it off and then bring it over to show you a little sample of something or, yeah. yeah, or whatever.
2: So yeah. I would have no problem bringing people into my shop because I keep my shop very, very clean. Not everybody's
0: you know. It's not as dusty as you think, guy. But mine's, yeah, mine's kind of clean too.
2: Good, good.
0: It's good. not eat eat off your plate clean, but oh no, yeah. I don't think
2: anybody's is. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd, I think I'd still want to have the shop on my property. But if it was in within like 10 minutes of me, 15 minutes, I'd be fine with that. Just as long as it's not a half hour, 45 minute drive that would, I wouldn't like that.
1: So what about equipment? You know, what is your ideal setup?
2: As far as tools go?
0: Yes. Would you get new tools or would you just,
2: if I, if I had the room, the first thing I would get would be a full format sliding table saw. Yes. One of those, those big ones like a Martin or something like that, where I can, you know, throw a piece of plywood on there and just do whatever I need to really, really quickly. Um, Those are very nice. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but that would be really nice. And a, you know, there's another thing that I, another room I would want to have is a room large enough to put a full size, like a like a four by eight CNC machine.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm Except not into the CNC. Far. I'm not into the CNC, but I would like the the table saw, and I like to have a tilting uh, shaper with sliding table. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, one of the yeah. things I can't, I can't do now, and it has to do with the, the size of what I'm working with, is I can't do, you know, if somebody came to me right now and said they wanted me to do some built-ins for them, it's very difficult for me to do that. I've yeah. got the tools, but I just don't have the space in order mm-hmm. to do it. Now, in the summertime, I can because I can store stuff in there. But like right now, there's no way. Right. I just mm-hmm. – there's no way I could put a, a big – it's very hard for me with the piece of furniture I have in there now to move the stuff over. So I'd want to have room to do all that stuff. And I'd want to be able to take on cabinet jobs. I mean, if someone came to me and said, you know, we want you to build a, a custom kitchen for us, I'd be more than happy to do that. And having a CNC machine to cut those parts out for me and all you got to do is throw them together real quick would be very yeah. nice and having the room to do that. So –
1: you know, I, I would like to also add, like, a 16-inch Oliver table saw with the pattern maker's adjustable fence for high-end, like, compound architectural millwork. And, you know, really, I like to have just a bandsaw that does resawing, just a resawing bandsaw with a power feed set up for it and a 36-inch, probably, drum sander, maybe time saver for the veneer work. And then I love to have, like, a 4 by 10 vacuum bag set up. Like, just always ready
0: to go, slide and go. Yeah, I, me personally, I don't know that... I don't I don't need any of that. So I don't want it. That's just how I look at it. The, the CNC thing makes me interested. As big as the new shop is, I'll be able to to fit that in there. If you ever mm. decide to do it. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I ever decide to do it. But I don't know that... I've never used a sliding table, table saw.
2: Neither have I.
0: I I have no urge to want to have to use one either because everything I do now it works with what I'm doing and I'm not mm-hmm. it would make me more efficient but I don't I don't see the need to have to have that
2: yeah. for what it's, the work that a, I do it's so, a dream it's a dream shop so you can have anything you want uh, <laughs> you,
0: you say that because. Yeah, my dream shop is the one that I'm going to build here in a couple of years. So it's it's a reality shop for me. So mm-hmm. I, th- there's a couple tools that I'll probably upgrade eventually. But more or less, everything I have now is going over there. I have plenty of bands or bandsaws. I have – I don't need any more of them. I have a table saw, which I'd like to get another table saw and just basically have the whole dueling table saw deal yep. going on. Yep. Yes. But – everything else is I have it. So it's not like I need to upgrade her or unless it it breaks. Um, I I probably, the the only thing I'd like to add is, is a little bit bigger joiner. I mean, like I said, I have an old 16 inch, which is great, but I think if I was to replace my eight inch, it would be with a a 12 inch just because the eight inch just, is not big enough all the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are the two things that I, instantly upgrade would be my my thickness planer which is a 13 inch and my joiner which is an 8 inch they both work fine but um you know i'd love to have at least a 12 inch joiner i'd love to have a 16 inch joiner just throw stuff on there and you know not have to worry about sleds or anything like that through the thickness planer um and and at least at least a 20 inch thickness planer would be really nice to have
1: I'm on the same boat and I have those right now and I'm happy I do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and I think like Freddie said, being that it would be a shop with three phase, I would then definitely get a wide belt sander. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. I just can't support the thing now, but that would be really nice for me.
2: Yeah. So you can do, you can do work with slabs.
0: Yeah. yeah I could do anything. We
1: do work with slaps. You know, the other thing that'd be good that not many people do is uh or make anymore is the old timers used to have uh, stroke sanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stroke sanders are really good because you can, you know, especially if you have a downdraft table underneath it, it works extremely well.
2: Yeah, that's one thing I don't have right now that I've always wanted and don't have room for is a is an oscillating, you know, belt sander that goes, you know, that's vertical. You do like drawer oh. slides and stuff like that, you just. Yeah. Pfft. And uh, you know, the, be really nice.
1: The other one I like to talk about vertical drum sander is I like to get one. I forgot the brand or the or the maker who makes it, and I'm not sure if they still make it. Is the vertical drum sander that the table or the the drum tilts? Uh, that would be nice to have. There's been plenty of occasions that I wish I had that. And there's been opportunities to buy one, but
0: I have. I never jet. did. And, I have you a have a jet, jet, jet. version? Yeah.
1: There's there's a bigger version that you can really like have a six inch diameter, or eight inch diameter oscillating spindle sander. And it really goes all the way, almost all the way up and down. So you're using the whole sander, nice. the yeah. whole paper. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. So yeah, that'd be cool. You know, the other thing is I would like to get a, uh, if I was going to get a CNC, it'd be a CNC lathe. There's money to be made in turning.
2: Yeah. There, that's the, the fourth axis Mm-hmm. So that's what that's called—a four-axis CNC that that does, you know, like, fluting and stuff like that on spindles, and actually creates the spindles. And that's yes. a, that's that's a that's a very common thing on the the, the, the large format CNC machines. Uh, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say I shouldn't say common, but it's available. Mm-hmm. It's available. Uh, that would be nice. I'd, I'd I'd like to have a shaper instead of a router table. You know, you have that now, Justin. Uh, but a, sh- a, a shaper would be nice. Um, the, the sander I mentioned, a big disc sander, like a 20 inch, a 20 inch disc sander is that what size they make, 20 mm-hmm. or 24. Inch. Yeah, yeah, that would be really nice okay. to have. Um, totally. Just have, having, having, you know, all the the tools that take up decent sized footprints that you can't have right now would be nice.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, one, one other thing I would like to add is that if I had my way, then I would have a back corner that's partly open, maybe on two sides or maybe one side uh, to have a blacksmith shop. That would be good for me. I
0: don't you, know that I want blacksmith, but I would definitely a little area for doing welding stuff, little metal. Yeah, totally. For mm-hmm. sure.
2: Yeah. I, don't, I don't do any of that. I'd like to. But uh, that's that's the growth part, you know. Yes, how how totally. Do it. it's, that's why I said, like, you get a half acre of land. It's not huge, but it's definitely enough to, to add a, a, you know, a four or, or five four or five hundred square foot addition on onto the area you have right now. Um, right.
1: So. I'm thinking about twelve acres. i like to grow off the land. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I don't want a neighbor near me. Yeah. For the
0: long, for the longest time, I was trying to convince my wife that we should go buy a bunch of woods, cut all the trees down to build my shop, <laughs> and then from there, we can build a house.
2: From the trees you cut down?
0: Yes. I don't think it's going to happen, though. You can
2: do it all by hand. Well, no. Oh, yeah,
0: right. No, because I was going to have to go buy a bandsaw. <laughs> that would be the first thing I was going to do. Yeah. I had a whole plan. She just wasn't on board with it. But, yeah. Hey. I'll have to convince her of something else.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's that's nice to dream. A, that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice to dream. You know, we originally talked about doing the subject, and I, my mind's just started racing. It's like, have this, have this, have that, have this, have this, that. You know, it's, And I think that if you had enough space to grow, you could start small with what you need right now, What would be nice to have right now and just add on as needed. And that's why I think having a, a, not a huge piece of land, but a a piece of land that's decent size where you can add on to it. would be nice. Well, we can keep on dreaming or we can move on.
0: Yeah, Yeah. let's move on. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How about we switch gears here and we discuss a topic that we talked about to ourselves a while ago, but just never brought up on the show. Sure. Which was that? Well, like <laughs> you, like you don't know, Freddie. <laughs> uh, yeah. What what tools are we interested in right now? Or we're really like, I don't know, jiving on this yeah. week, Freddie.
1: All right, I'm going first. <laughs> so this week, I'm sick and tired of people not realizing, or understanding, or knowing. If it's if if that's a, the way I'm going here, uh, knowing about the Yankee screwdriver, <laughs> all right, the Yankee screwdriver is by far the most like recent unknown tool that many people don't didn't realize it existed.
2: I don't it's, know what it I is.
1: Under, really, it's a r- ratcheting, pulsating, uh, screwdriver that you can oh. do interchangeable tips.
2: Okay, I know what you're talking about.
1: And everyone says, oh, everyone will say that that was used for slotted screws. And, but now they, there's Phillip head screws available. There's square head screws uh, or, or tips available. There's even adapters that you can put in it. And I know it's not ideal because you have the cordless drill, but there's been plenty of times that you can't reach your arm back there or the, the cavity is really deep and the tips can't reach that far in. And that's where the Yankee screwdriver comes in. You get a ton of torque you can have it with a spring or without a spring. Variety of different lengths, variety of different tips. It's by far the most underrated, useful tool, and by far it was the reason why it was so popular, is because everyone needed it on the job site, and it was like the best North Brothers, like invention ever created, and it's by far one of those tools that I highly recommend.
0: Well, I've so got to have. I've
2: got to have one now.
0: Don't worry, Freddie's yeah, got do. twelve or of them or something. Send me one. And I got like twenty of them. Yeah. <laughs> um. My uncle told me that's all they used to use, but they also didn't. It was, I guess they had quarter drills, but it was it was easier to use than a quarter drill. So yeah, you you just do. just have
2: it in your your yeah. your apron or your yeah whatever, and just pull it out and zoom.
0: Yeah, and I always saw it laying around. My dad has one, never used it. I always thought, what mm-hmm. the hell is this stupid thing? But. <laughs>
1: If you're going to it's send not one to so stupid no more.
0: If you're going to send one to a guy, send one to me, too.
2: I don't think Freddie committed to that. Uh, I don't think he I think said I, it. Yeah, I think I asked, but I got, you got quiet. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, didn't, I didn't hear it, unfortunately. I, I broke up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what about you, Justin? You got anything?
0: I hate to say this. I am really liking this festal chop saw. That cake oh, okay. pretty damn nice. <laughs>
2: it's wonderful, isn't it?
0: Oh, it is. That is a nice saw.
2: It's it's overpriced. Yeah. It's outrageously priced. But, man, it is the only miter saw out there I've ever used that gives you furniture-ready cuts and accurate.
0: It is nice. You, you know what I will say, and it's I've noticed with a lot of the Festool pools. Their motors are slightly underpowered, I feel like. They they sound yes. underpowered. Let me put it that way. They sound underpowered. Um, and I know they have like a load sensing thing in them and all that, but yeah. they they just – that's the only downfall I see to that thing. Just I cut a two-by-four with the other day, and it, it at least sounds like it's straining. I don't think it is, but it just has that sound, and I don't like that sound.
2: Yeah, but, you got to get used to it because it's the, the same thing on the routers. I think they call it like an MMC – or something yeah. like that, yeah. and it's, it's it it varies the power to the to the machine, so it it sounds like it's straining, but it isn't.
0: Right, same thing so you like a
2: trap. Uh, but
0: I hate to say this too, it's worth its money because you're getting you are getting a lot more. There is some just simple features on it that are just thought out. That's really what it comes down to. Somebody thought about what they were doing with mm-hmm. a chop saw, and I absolutely love my old Makita saw still do to this day, right? That thing is a workhorse. You will not kill it. Mm-hmm. it it's, it's, it's worn out, but it's also 18 years old. So it should be worn out. Right. Yeah. But it's, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have that precision that I think definitely seems to have. And the dust collection is, is there. I can't believe it's that good.
2: It's not perfect. Wow, that's good it's, to know. It's, it's, it's not perfect, but it's pretty darn good.
0: It's it's about as good as you can get. You
2: with
1: know, yourself. my concern is is, is seeing, uh, like, people complaining that the motor has been burnt out or people have complained about some plastic features on it. And that's one of the reasons why I don't consider buying it.
0: I – you know what? If if that motor burns out, I mean, they warranty it. I know they're warranting them, So – Yep. And, and I'm not – I don't think I'm going to burn the motor up. I think – I don't know. Who knows? But – yeah, and, and, and like I, I said on Instagram, the amazing thing that amazed me about it is that my Makita had an odd table height, right, mm-hmm. that you could never get anything. You'd have to add some 2 by 4s and a piece of plywood and all this just to get the same table height. It never made sense because every other chop saw I ever used was set 3.5 inches up for a piece of 2 by 4 to be your little leveler for holding mm-hmm. a piece of wood up, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know why Festool and Makita use the exact same table height. So it just slapped right into the spot where my old one was and I have to change anything. So yeah, the height wow. of that, the
2: height of that table is set to the height the of sustainer. their Sys one yeah. yeah. So you can use which, that as a, as an outfeed.
0: Yeah. Which I huh. realized I don't have any, but it doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> but. Yeah. You can, you can buy one for about $800 hmm. for the little container. No, I'm just kidding. I think, I think it's like, 60 or 70 bucks but if you don't need it don't buy it
0: my makita battery charger with a battery in it seems to be very close in height i use that sometimes (laughs) (laughs) but what about you guy
2: well mine isn't so much of a tool but it's a finishing product that i'm really looking at hard and i think i'm going to use it on the buffet i'm not 100 percent sure yet but that's Rubio Monocoat.
0: Oh, get this! I want to get it. I'm I've
2: heard. It. I've heard a bunch of people talk about. It. I've talked to people that use it, and one. Of the, I went to the and I've been talking to the one of the people from Rubio to get some samples and stuff like that, so I could try it out first. And mm-hmm. they were at IBS, not Irritable Bowel Syndrome, but the International Builder Show. <laughs> and I talked to their national sales manager, Alan, for about twenty minutes, and they had some of the the stuff they finished there. I'm sorry, my dog just came into the room, um, but they had some stuff that they had put on as a finish there, and it's tremendous, very very nice. Um, it's slightly gap filling too, which is nice. He said it's 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 For the base, it's boiled linseed oil with carnauba wax. So carnauba wax, I know, is very hard because that's what they put on, like, surfboards and stuff. But uh, Mm -hmm. um, it was a very nice finish. And if you've got a a project like I'm working on now, that would be really, really nice to have. I don't (laughs) necessarily want to spray it. What's so funny, Freddie?
0: That dog.
1: I mean, the Um, dog in the background. She's gone. She's gone. I gave her a
2: toy and she she ran off. Um, I don't know if you can hear her back there. But um, it seems like a really nice product and I'm excited to get the samples in and try it out. And if it is what I think it is, I'm going to use it on this buffet.
0: I'm thinking about just buying it to play with it as well.
2: It's expensive.
0: It is. But if it does what it claims i think it's worth that because it's mm. it, it applies and it applies that easy that it's just going to save me the time anyway so
2: yeah i asked the guy how to how do you apply he goes you use whatever you want i said you can you can yeah. brush it you can spray it you can use a cloth you can do whatever you want to cuz all you you're doing is it. yeah i i i don't know how it's pretty damn thick but he said you could you'd have to have a pretty big nozzle to do it anyways so you just lay it down you get the surface wet and you just wipe off the excess yeah and that's it um it still takes up- a week we- still takes a full week to cure hmm. but it Doesn't dries matter. Yeah. it dries in like four to six hours
0: right yeah my thought is if you're getting the same look as using a boiled linseed oil with wax finish mm-hmm. te- technically that almost takes that long as well anyway so
2: yeah and it's slightly gap-filling yeah. too they had a they had a uh, uh, you,
0: wait, an oak table. You, you have gaps in
2: York? No. Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> that's, that's what they have wood filler for. I'm talking <laughs> about uh pore filling. So uh, they had a, they uh, had, a, they had a, uh, an oak table there. It was white oak. And, uh, mm-hmm. it had one coat on there. I mean, the pores were still open, but it did a real nice job on it. They also had a, um, a sycamore slab that they put on, which is pretty tight grained. And Mm it was, it was nice, man. It still has that close to the wood feel to it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, the
1: hand rubbed. Ooh. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But it was, it was, it was pretty impressive. I, I really liked the idea of it, but like I said, it's expensive. So,
1: I you know, I don't know if it's worth the price It's where I'm I'm fighting with and I like to see what it looks like in ten years or five years. I wanna know what that finish looks like. Because if it's linseed oil, linseed oil never dries, it oxidizes, it just keeps getting darker and darker and darker. And I have a little of uh, a concern with how that reacts over time with open pore woods or certain
0: species. So I yeah, I agree with you there.
2: Yeah. Uh, there you go, Freddie, you know, Debbie Downer. I right ran on my parade. No, I'm just No, kidding.
1: it's worth it. I think it's worth it, especially since uh, you're a lot older than us, and so you probably don't have to worry about any of that.
2: Oh, oh that's, that's harsh, dude. So, but he, he, but he, I, I told him what I was going to be doing is be putting it put on walnut. I guess you have to use this cleaner on it first because it picks up all hmm. the microscopic particles. And I guess this stuff, they've got other things in there too. But he said it molecularly bonds to the wood.
0: Wow! Nothing from nothing. They all say that.
2: Yeah, (laughs) but it it can. You can put just like minwax penetrates. Yeah, (laughs) you can't put you can't put more than one coat on it too. So. Oh yeah, but they do have huh? they do have a bunch of different
0: colors, which is nice. Yes, that's what else I saw. It, so it, you it, it's can a get something
2: you you can get something like you know the 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 walnut, oh. the dark walnut color. You put it on a piece of walnut, and there's going to be less chance of your piece turning orange in a couple of years if it's staying UV. Mm. So that that interests me quite a bit too. Um, anyways, yeah. it seems like a neat product. I'm gonna get a sample of it. I'll try it out on a board, and um, you know, go from there.
0: I it, what interests me is that they actually sell a product for exterior, mm-hmm.
2: and then mm-hmm. there's
0: a wet countertop product, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. which I would imagine is very similar to exterior. But that that part amazes me that there it's just an oil finish that they can do that with, and it guarantees against it.
2: So. Yeah, but I mean, for me you know I, I can i can put the finish on it and like 3 or 4 hours later go about my business in the shop without that is nice without yeah, having that, to worry about
0: which is how i justify the price of it as well yeah
2: because exactly you, you,
0: it, it is it is expensive but if that's all i have to do is put a coat on and then buff it out lightly and then just wet, let it sit for days to
2: dry yeah
0: it's worth it to me
2: absolutely to yeah totally absolutely. i totally agree there absolutely so i'll let you know how it goes
0: please do awesome all right all right this one's getting long how about we wrap it up all right sounds good guy where can everybody find you at
2: uh guyswoodshop.com from there you can get to my uh instagram feed and my lovely youtube channel
0: <laughs> freddy
1: uh you can find me at the period uh, dot com. it's crafts with an s and m
0: or men with an e you can find me at uh, jdfinewoodworking at gmail.com or on Instagram, which is Justin underscore De Palma. You can find all of us at theatgpodcast.com or email at theatgpodcast at gmail.com. So all right. Keep dreaming, guys, for your dream shop.
2: Absolutely. Keep dreaming.
0: All right, all right man. See you. talk to you later. Yeah. Have a good
2: Bye. week. Bye-bye.